Jill's second anniversary just passed. Um, has the passage of that time eased in any way what must have been that most unbearable and unbelievable of pains of having Jill taken away from you? Um, well, the, the passage of time is certainly... Um, it's it's just I suppose it's different rather than uh, you know I, there's there's no way of getting getting over it really so I suppose it's 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 just uh, it takes different forms with the passage of time I suppose uh, and uh, I mean nothing's going to be as intense as as, as the as the time she went missing or finding out she died or the aftermath of that so um, but it's but there is a you know th- th- there has been a fantastic amount of support from family and friends and from the wider public in. You know, first, like first of all, in Australia, and, and secondly, Ireland, and of course, globally, um, people have reached out to me, and it's been amazing in that way. So that's been a great comfort to me as well. You know, there was a huge amount of coverage and a huge amount of sympathy for you and for Jill's family mm. when it emerged what had happened. What did that mean to you? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, like, you know, I was in, I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a hotel room that the the, the police had kind of put us up in because we had to kind of avoid the media at the time, and uh, we, um, I remember. I, I had no idea that that march, that thirty thousand strong march, was happening. I remember looking at it on telly, and I was sitting there beside my sister, and I remember I just—I mean, I had to take a breath. Like, I, you know, it was—it was absolutely incredible, and um, you know, it was such a—it was such a hard time. Obviously, that you know, it, these things don't really sink in. The, the 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 impact of that doesn't really sink in until you know much later. But even at that time, I. I I was blown away by that support, you know. When you found out that Jill had been murdered, were you angry? Were you numb? How would you describe it? I was absolutely numb. There was no, uh, you know, I, I, it's it's really hard to describe it because it's kind of, there, there's there's a numbness, like, just punctuated by kind of, you know, small realisations of what's happened and, um, you don't. It's like I didn't really know what to do with that. I didn't really know what, what how to kind of manage that. Um, so I, I would very quickly go straight back into that numb, uh, that numb feeling that you know, sort of. I suppose, I suppose, protects you in a way um, with a shock like that. Did much of what happened wash over you? The the investigation, um, the arrest, everything that went on, it must have been like you were having an out-of-body experience, I would imagine, watching yeah, it, it was what exactly, you would have hoped of someone else's life. It was exactly like that. There was, I mean, there was that thing of, uh, yeah, it was, it was actually exactly that. You know, it was kind of, uh, you know, you, you knew you were there and you, and you knew you were extraordinarily anxious and particularly during the time when she was missing, I remember, I remember, being interviewed by the police and uh, that was the most surreal experience uh, I can think of but there was a moment when I sat there and a detective said to me look you know we're, we're going to investigate this really hard but it, this could take a week this could take um, 10 years and there was just kind of this flash of horror you know where I pictured myself kind of um, still like sort of putting posters of Jill around Melbourne for 10 years and, and kind of um, you know, because that that does happen. You know, you hear of uh, people who have been missing for for ages, and their family never gives up, and they never um, they never stop believing. And, and I think that would have been the case for me as well. You know, well, tell us about the first time you heard the name Adrian Bailey. Uh, I, the first the first time I heard his name, I I was I was told it, and I I couldn't remember it. You know, it was kind of like one of those. It just immediately skipped out of my mind because when I was told, all I could think about was 
you know, what had happened to Jill. And, um, you know, it, it, it didn't, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't really have an image of him. I didn't know how to form an image of him in my mind. I hadn't seen any pictures of him. I hadn't, the all I had was that grainy kind of CCTV footage of him. Um, but, I, you know, it, it, it was, I don't really, I don't really remember that, uh, hearing the name as such. I just remember the feeling of, you know, you know, when I was told what had happened, uh, you know, that, that sort of, um, that was what really stuck with me rather than his name itself, like, you know. And you would have eventually faced him in a courtroom or at least you would have seen more and heard more about him. Mm. And when you read about his previous record, it, it's, it, it reads like a monster. He'd 16 rapes, many yeah. of them extremely violent. Mm-hmm. And whatever about not remembering his name when it was first told to you, how did you react when that came out, that someone so dangerous had uh, an opportunity to, to take the life of, of, of your wife? Well, I mean, it, it was infuriating. It was, um, like, it was, it, it was disbelief. It was kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost as if, you know, you, you've already been hit with something where, you know, something so brutal. Uh, and then, you know, you think of the, you think of what he's done before that and how, you know, the punishment has been so, you know, weak. Um, and you know it's it's really and, and you know the extent of what he did is just so brutal. Like it's um, you know before his previous before Jill, it was if 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 you if you read like the the court reports, it's unbelievable. And uh, you know I just I can't understand how a, a judge could have sat there and first of all a judge could have sat there and given him such a lenient sentence, and secondly how he wasn't uh, his parole wasn't cancelled or he was given parole in the first place. So it is like it was really tough to swallow um, when I'd heard all of that, and especially the details of the parole because he had committed a very serious violent crime during his parole period and his parole wasn't cancelled. So it was really, it really was like hard to swallow. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was the first time I'd ever like fought against, um, you know, kind of an institution like that, you know, where, uh, you know, it it was, it was just so, um, so difficult to kind of get to them. They were so, they, they were very, they weren't very transparent, they um they were very hard to hard to deal with at first. And when I met when I met the parole board, it was they, they were they were actually quite open and quite pleasant. Let's let's talk about something you wrote about a very vivid description of realizing that this this monster that this man who had taken Jill was just, he was just a man. Mm. Uh, t- tell us about that. Well, I mean, I think uh, I think I suppose what I was trying to say was this guy. Maybe is like a you know he's on the he's he's on the very high end of that scale and the very visible end of the scale of of people who commit violence against women. Um, but he's I, I suppose I suppose what I was trying to say is that the damaging part of that is that you know we, we always highlight these monsters um, we always highlight the the extreme end of it and it, it kind of makes it, and we don't examine sort of the cultural. The cultural significance of, of of where this person came from, uh, and you know, it's because it's so difficult to kind of trawl into every violent person's background, a personal background. We do have to look at a kind a culture of 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 um, you know a culture that, that that allows this to happen, and a culture that sort of you know turns its back on a lot of the everyday violence that happens in society. 
it's it's in most people's minds it's a huge jump to even go from something like domestic violence to rape to murder. Mm. Um, but the thing is, people don't walk around the streets with labels on them, so you can identify them. Yeah. That's one of the things you're talking about this this monster myth, and you, you became involved with a prominent campaign called the White Ribbon Campaign in Australia. Mm. Uh, what message do you want to send out to people today about that? The best thing we can do is um, shine a light on on the causes of all all sorts of violence in society. I mean, uh, we, we, we can't assume that people who are violent come out of some sort of other dimension. We tend to, I think we love to kind of, um, you know, place violent people as other than us, um, which is why we're so eager to kind of look at violence in other countries and, and, uh, and you know, ignore violence in our own, in our own society. Um, and I think, I think it's, it's important to address that and address, address the causes of that. Um, and to try and to try and realise that there's an interrelationship between all these things, and they don't, and, and these things don't come out of nothing. Um, and to educate people about it, and to talk about it, because the the, the greatest the greatest violent people or violence itself thrives in silence. So I think you know, mm. discussing this openly and and and. And trying to have a conversation around it is really important. And, and is it the case that most people in society, because it doesn't involve them, or even when they hear something, they let it slide because you know that doesn't affect me? So we're, if we're talking about lewd comments or, or, or inappropriate jokes or whatever, mm. um, what do you say, what do you think about people who let that slide because they, they say that's not me, that's someone else? I mean, I would say well, I would say it, it is you. I mean, it's uh, it's. It's if I suppose there's there's a there's a guy there's a guy in Australia who's I can't remember his name now but he's in the defence forces uh, and he said um, he said this wonderful quote he said the standard the standard we walk by is the standard we accept um, and I think that's really true I think you know if if you're willing to let that slide by then that's then what you're signalling is that the, that's that is the society that you want to live in and it's not the society that I want to live in. Can you ever forgive Adrian Bailey? Uh, no, I mean no. I I don't think that's uh, on the cards. I mean, if I if I if I was um, unless I went through some sort of uh, you know crazy transformation, um, and you know, I I just I just can't see that happening. Um, he, this guy uh, sort of creeps into my thoughts every now and then, not as much as he used to, but when he does, it's uh, it's not. Um, it's 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 not it's it's not anything but harm I wish upon him. But I will say this: that I have learned to to separate thoughts of him from thoughts of what happened to Jill, which was really a, a, a really difficult thing for me to do at the start. So every time I thought of him, which was a lot, uh, I, I would immediately jump to how Jill died, and, and I can separate that now. So I can think of Jill as she lived rather than as she died. You said you were obsessed with him at one mm, point. Yes. Um, and that must have been a very difficult thing to get over. As you said, if you told him, you thought of what happened to Jill as opposed to your relationship with Jill and how you got on with it. Mm. It's, it's the kind of dark thing that the human mind is not very good at dealing with. Yes. How, yeah. how did you manage to separate it out? Um, I managed, to, well, with a lot of support. I mean, Jill's, Jill's mum, you know, kept repeating to me like this, he's not going to, he's not going to, beat us he's not going to beat us and and uh like that really that really helped and i guess I, I suppose there's with the passage of time as well and with sort of trying to come to terms with and understanding sort of more about the um the the, the 
sort of violence in society and, and um, violent individuals. Like, and just, I suppose, reading and learning more about that, uh, you know, helps me sort of to go away from that individual person and, and, and sort of pan out and, and, and figure out what's going on generally as opposed to just focusing on one human being um, just because it happened to be a very personal thing to me. Is it a case in the Australian system that Bailey will one day get out? Well, I mean, realistically, he, he, was, he went into jail when he was uh, 41 years old. He's got a 35-year parole period. So before he even, we even think about parole, he's going to be 73, I think. Assuming that he doesn't die in prison, uh, I, w- I, would, I would think the parole board would have, considering everything that's happened with the parole board since this, I think they would be, they would be uh, very reluctant to let him out. If you, if you ask me my opinion, I don't think he'll ever get out of prison. Jill's story came into people's memories more, very recently because there was another attack in Melbourne, very different circumstances. A 64-year-old Irishman, Dermot O'Toole, he was, he was stabbed in his jewellery shop. Mm. He was protecting his wife at the time and it turned out that his killer, mm. uh, who was high on drugs at the time, was also on parole. Yeah. It's probably a chance that these are two stories relating to Irish people, but did mm. that cause you to be concerned again about the parole system in Melbourne? Well, what happened was after after we had uh, after the laws had got changed in, around parole in Australia, that they tightened them up a lot. But the problem is, I think there's there's a there's still a backlog of people who have been paroled before that. And look, this, the, the parole thing will never be perfect, no matter what, how 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 tight you get it. But this guy this guy had been released just before uh, the changes in the parole system. Um, but significantly, also he had been released after. Jill had died, so I mean, they still hadn't really learned their lesson from like that's that's what it shows me. They still, I mean, this guy had a string of previouses. Uh, the guy who 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 murdered Mister um, O'Toole, yeah. and 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 I think, you know, um, you know, I think they had, there, there is going to be that backlog of people who have been let out in parole leniently before the new laws came in. But it also shows that lessons weren't learned uh, after the death of Jill. One of the worst forums that exist are uh, social media. Mm. Um, and I know that you were commenting about some comments that were relating to Bailey, yeah. um, not necessarily relating to Jill. But, you know, we looked to more recent times in Ireland, uh, Maria Cahill, who, mm. who we've spoken to, who yeah. spoke about her experience of being raped. And then she got a lot of abuse, some of it very vicious online. Um, yeah. Does that worry you that that yeah. that kind of thing goes on, where you have keyboard warriors who feel that they can say whatever they like to somebody who's brave enough to stand up as a victim of sexual crime? Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, uh, Maria Cahill's an absolute hero, you know, and and I think it's so brave of her to speak out. And um, I think, I mean, the, the 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 absolute cowardice is is unbelievable of these people. Uh, and I think, like I've seen, I mean, I, I've got a bit of it myself. Um, and I think it's, I mean, it's just appalling. And, and you know, also there's, there's a thing about, um, particularly women, um, where like, I know a lot of women who, who write and, and blog and, uh, and, and advocate um, and they get horrendous, uh, horrendous abuse. And, um, you know, I, I write and I speak and I advocate, but I don't get half the abuse. And, or I, I don't even, it doesn't even come close. It's not the same universe. Uh, and the things they get are so horrific. Like, I mean, they're like rape threats, um, death threats, the whole lot. I mean, I, I've never got anything like that. Uh, even though I'm writing and advocating about exactly the same thing, um, you know, there's something about there's something about the misogyny in these people that um, just lashes out at women. 
I know you've been home for a year now, Tom, fr- from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel towards Australia now? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I have a lot of great, great friends in Australia and I, I love them to bits, you know, but it's kind of... Uh, I have mi- So, I, I mean, obviously I have mixed feelings. I mean, Jill's parents are still there, so there's, there's always a, a connection and... Um, and there always will be a connection for me to Australia. But there is, I mean, obviously it's changed. I mean, it's particularly Melbourne. It's it's just a little bit darker, a little bit um, more difficult. I mean, I don't think I could live there again, I'll put it that way. But I could certainly, I mean, I can certainly go there. I can certainly walk around there. Um, to live there would be a little bit tough or very tough, in fact. And, and just to finish up, how are you now? Because... We we talked about you going through this process, and it was very very real for you. But yes. here here you have somebody who's trying to move on with their lives. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not easy. But how are you? Uh, well, I mean, like it's 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 been up and down. You get you get good days and bad days. But I suppose the um, I mean, w- like working on a campaign, doing lots of advocacy work has really really helped me out. Like it's kind of le- allowed me to kind of process a lot of things, allowed me to learn a lot of things. Um, and allowed, allowed me to talk to a lot of people who are, you know, in real pain and, 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 and you know, and, uh, and, 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 you know, to see them, to see those people, you know, come through that or, or, or work through that is really inspiring and fantastic to kind of, it's a fantastic way to live your life, you know, in a way. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come through it that way, you know. How can people find out more about the White Ribbon campaign if they want to get involved or if they want to just even read up some of what's been written there? Yeah, so if you if you log on to um, whiteribbon.ie, it's our website, um, and the blog is on the blog is on there as well. It's, uh, that's whiteribbonblog.com. I also we're having an event, twenty fifth of November, in EU House in Dawson Street. So that's that's the twenty fifth of November is International Elimination of Violence Against Women Day. So we're going to be doing a talk there. Um, so that'll be attended by a lot of a, a lot of people in, in in Irish public life. Tom, our uh, our sympathies again on the loss of Jill. Uh, thank you so much for your bravery and thank you for talking to us. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it.